Good afternoon, good morning, good night. Let me try that again, in the right order. Good evening, good night, good morning. Haha, <laughs> that's the biblical day. Welcome to another episode of True Wisdom, where Andrew and I discuss more about God's Word and try to get into the meat of the topics. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing fine, thanks, Robert. Well, welcome to True Wisdom. Thank you. Why do we continually seek after true wisdom? We seek after true wisdom um, because God says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And knowledge and wisdom are tied together because in Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but it also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So God ties those two concepts together. And since we're destroyed for lack of knowledge and wisdom is the... intelligent application of that knowledge, we realize that we need God's wisdom. And here's where our theme verse comes into play. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. Excellent, excellent words. Uh, So, as we do each and every week, we will pray before we get into this Bible study. Dear Lord, we ask that you be with us today. Let the topics be the topic that you choose. Let our words be the words that you choose. Let the understanding be the understanding that you choose so that we will all be blessed in this process. Amen. Amen. So what is our topic for today? Our topic for today... We're going to go to Second Kings six, Second Kings chapter six. It's, we can call this thing "opening their eyes." Opening their eyes. Second Kings, Kings chapter six. six. All and right. We're going to start at verse eight, starting at verse eight and going to verse twenty-three. All right, verse eight, all the way to twenty-three. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Okay, pause. (laughs) I knew you were going to stop me there. Pause. Uh, we were building up. I, I, you know, I had a couple of places. Um, this is an interesting passage. Um, what, what did you think I was going to stop you for? <laughs> How did that servant know what was going on in uh, Elisha's house? Yes. There is no indication here how that servant knows, why he's familiar with it. And why he didn't bother to alert the king before. Uh, king, your plans are going to come to naught because Elisha, the prophet, 
um, is telling people what you say in, even in your bedchamber. Um, the other thing that's interesting, the Bible doesn't speak on it one way or the other, but the king of Israel, when, when God tells, when God warns him through Elisha that such and such is going to happen, he sends a little spy contingent to check. Right? The king of Israel sends a spy contingent to check to see what happens. So he believed enough not to go, but he wanted to know for it's, sure. It's sort of when the ten spies went into Israel. God didn't endorse it, but he didn't restrict it either. Yeah, well, that didn't turn out so good for Yeah, them. well, you know, like I said, God didn't restrict it. Yeah. Okay. So now he knows this info. He calls his servants together and says, why won't you guys, I need a snitch about doing something to me, and one of you guys has to cough up, press up. Um, but given that last sentence, you would think people would know better. So given verse 12, let's continue with 13. Verse 13 of Second Kings chapter 6 says, And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore send he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. Okay, Paul. Why do people get the impression that the prophet, right? Because he's not thinking about God and the prophet. He's just thinking about the prophet. Mm-hmm. So this prophet of Israel is warning the king of Israel every time the king of Syria sets up an ambush for the king of Israel. His servant says, oh, he knows whatever you say, even in your bedchamber. So the king is like, well, go find out where he is. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, really? You were just told the guy knows all your secrets. So you're going to plan to get him because this power he has is only helpful to other people? Okay. Well, you see, uh, in, the, in the sight of helplessness, we scheme, we plan. One of the things we use, especially when you're in power, you use the tools at your hand so you would use more power. You think by brute force you can do something. Um, right. if, if we study ourselves, we see ourselves in the same situation. When faced with a problem, what is the normal thing that we fall back to? Is it scheming? Is it um, planning? Is it uh, force? Is it money? What do we have at our disposal that we, we use? When, when we encounter a problem, do we turn to our friends first? This is really inherent in all of us. It's just when it's displayed in somebody else, we point it out and say, how foolish. Then we look back on ourselves. When we're faced with a problem, do we sit down and pray about it? There's some people who do. That's their first reaction. Or do we complain or do we seek out people to side with us? Do we try to throw money at the problem? Do we try to throw force at the problem? Do we try to throw influence at the problem? In his case, he threw uh, might at the problem. Right. 
too often God is left as a God of last resort. Yeah, right? that's the truth. We, we extinguish all other options and then we're like, Lord, help me because nothing else will work. Right. Now, a few people in the Bible have said who turned to God and said, our eyes are upon you because we have no other recourse. But they didn't try any other recourse first. They just knew inherently there's nothing else we can do. There's nothing we could do that would work. So let's just turn to God. Right. And you see, as much as we might um, laugh, a lot of that has to do with, with our mindsets, how we're raised. You show strength by showing strength. You show the world what you're capable of. And it doesn't quite work that way with Christianity. Christianity is showing the world what God is capable of, and you're capable right. of turning to God. I mean, in the case of a fight, you look at it and say, oh, okay, I think I can, I can do this one. Let me fight. Then you realize, oof, I'm overmatched. Let me call in my older brother or my big cousin or somebody else. You're still trying to show who you're connected to. You know, <laughs> I, what right. was it? I knew some, uh, there was an incident where someone said, I'm not going to do this. I, I, you can't make me do this. I'll call the mayor. And the person reached into their phone and punched, here, 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 the mayor's on my speed dial. You, your sign of strength means nothing to me. And so we have to recognize if we call on God first, there's, nobody can beat that. Why don't we turn to that first? Why do we try right. to put in the effort ourselves? And of course, him being a heathen, he did, he turned to who he can turn to. We see other stories in the Bible where they turned to their gods first. The Egyptians right. did it, you know, the, um, uh, with Moses. So anyway, not to run down a path, but yeah, your point is very valid. Why, if this man knows exactly what you're doing, you think, okay, I'll just go against him and defeat him and everything will be all right. He, he, he knows what you're doing. Mm-hmm. All right, continuing on mm. from verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, and behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Mm -hmm. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. This is such a tricky verse. This is such a tricky verse. Second um, Kings 6.19. Okay. Now, okay, so let's get to 20. It's a tricky verse. And it came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. 
when the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Okay. Now, there are a lot of different lessons that you can come away with this, come away from here. Um, Verse 19 is a tricky one because Elisha appears to be telling an untruth. Um, He appears to be telling an untruth. But when their eyes are open in Samaria, the person they were looking for, which is Elisha, is there. So it's not, he's not exactly wrong. <laughs> um, and, and more importantly, so we don't get any clues about how God feels about this except for two. God heard the prayer for blindness and heard the prayer for healing. Well, did, was it mocking? Did he mock them just like Elijah did when they were on Mount Carmel? Um, it was more than mocking. Because and and the situation was different, right? The situation is very different. Those people that Elijah mocked, he also killed mm-hmm. because they were in rebellion against God. This group was not specifically in rebellion against God. Obviously, they were in the commission of um, a negative situation, but they were not specific. I mean, the other the other folks were doing idol worship, uh, mm-hmm. extensive idol worship at that. And they were so Israelites. this situation is different. Well, I shouldn't yeah, say they well, were Israelites. Well, they were prophets of Baal. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know their specific nationality. Right, because the, the queen of Baal, the, you know, um, Jezebel would most likely have had some of her people from, right. from, um, wasn't from the land whose name I forget all of the Yeah, <laughs> I was um, thinking of Philistine, but it's not Philistine. Um, no, Zidon. Yes. Zidon. Okay. okay. So that's different. So 19 is, is a tricky one, but he says, follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. Now, here's the interesting thing. What kind of blindness is this? It's not obvious. Right, because... Right. Right. You can't have a whole host that's blind following on horseback. That's, there's, it's just not possible. It can, it, it can be mental blindness? There, ha- it, there had to be some, it has to be a different level of blindness. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he led them to Samaria. Like you said, an army, horses and chariots, you leading and none of them can see at all, mm-hmm. that'll be a different level of blindness. And it's very interesting that there is a prayer for what transpired. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you remember, when the folks come to arrest Elijah, and he says, if I be a man of God, may fire come down. Okay? If that's a prayer, that's a kind of interesting prayer, right? 
So he does what he's doing without a specific prayer. Here, it shows that Elisha prayed twice. And I think that this is essential because it doesn't allow us to think that Elisha has gone rogue and is just using some power that God inherently gave him to do whatever he's doing. Because verse 19 is already tricky enough to deal with (laughs) without the idea that Elisha has this power and has done his own thing. Um, But he asked that God would blind them in some particular way. He led them to where he needed to. And then he, um, and then he opened their eyes and they realized that they were not in a good place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they realized they were not in a place. And the king was like, can I kill him? Can I kill him? Mm-hmm. No, you can't kill him. How you, is that how we treat prisoners of war? Really? <laughs> no. Feed them and send them back. And on account of how he treated them, and, and we have uh, Paul talks about this later, he can close the fire upon the head of your enemies and you feed them bread and water. On the, on the heels of that, the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Because they knew that they should have been dead. Yeah, it's... And it's they were spared. Yeah, they gained a respect. Um, mm-hmm. They ended up attacking Syria in the next verse, but that's, you know, that's uh, interesting. Well, this is later. And and it ends, I'll tell you what, it implies a different king. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, the king king of Syria and the king of Israel are not mentioned in this passage. Right. They're not named, as you said. (laughs) But then when Ben Hadad gets in charge, then. Um, then he comes in into play there. Right. Well, so here we have two folks whose eyes were opened. One of them, they were opened in relief. The other one was opened in a little bit of terror, but it ultimately worked out for both parties. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful, succinct lesson um, about one, the belief. Who, who do you go to when there's trouble? Elisha didn't mm-hmm. worry. Now, you mm-hmm. ask, was, his, was it because his eyes were open already? And why was his mm-hmm. eyes open? It doesn't, dis- it doesn't say why his eyes were open, how he was able to see them. But obviously, oh. well, you know what? You can... What it does. Verse 12. Yes. I mean, what I was going to say was... You can tell by the mm-hmm. relationship that he had. They, God and Elisha spoke often. Because as soon as mm-hmm. the king schemed, Elisha knew about it. That, mm-hmm. that I'm not even going to say the word you can infer. No, that's communication. So within yeah. that communication, that same sort of communication would have followed through. So and, yes. And- not to not to jump on a story that we haven't done yet, but do you remember the Shunammite woman situation? Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. And do you remember when her child dies and she comes? Elisha says something to Gehazi that's very pertinent. He sends him to find out from her what's going on because he sees her coming. And he says, the Lord hath not shown me. Right. Right. Which implies that normally I get all this info. Yeah. <laughs> normally I know. <laughs> you can even tell by his prayer to God. It was it was of 
like it was almost surprise. How did I get caught off guard by this? What is there something else going on I should know? It was right. it was a prayer of really questioning what's happening. Right. Okay. So it, it's it's so notable that he normally got communication that he had to point out the case I the Lord has not let me know what's happening yet. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna have to do this the manual way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, wonderful. Do you have any closing thoughts on this lesson? You know, you kind of hinted at it. You kind of hinted at it, but Elisha had to pray for his servant's eyes to be open, and he had to pray for the other men's eyes to be open. Um, we don't see where he prayed for his eyes to be open, and it goes back to your point about the communication. We need to have constant communication with God so that our eyes are always open. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you, then. Can you pray us out? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of your word. We thank you for the enlightenment that is found in it. We ask you to help us that as we go about our day-to-day that we seek to have communion with you so that we're not caught off guard by things, so that our eyes are constantly being opened and even widened as we learn more about your love, learn more about who you are. Help us not to panic, but to seek you first, and help us to be the catalyst for other people's eyes being opened. Um, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for listening to this episode entitled Opening the Eyes. And we pray that it was a blessing to you. Um, Continue to reach out for us. We do get the emails. I apologize. Sometimes I'm not as quick to answer them as I should. Bear with me. And we will get back to you as soon as we can. You can write to us at truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com and also catch us on Twitter at truewisdom underscore pod. Uh, Continue to listen, continue to read, and we pray that you will be blessed.